We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in, whether it's the audio side, uh, the video side. Going to get into uh, today's show. It's a good one in a quick minute. Before that, real quick, I wanted to just, uh, a lot of people have been asking what's going on with the show in terms of dates and guests and stuff like that. It's been kind of out of whack lately, especially Fridays that I've been doing with Joe Yernan for the past year. So there's not going to be a podcast this Friday. Starting next week, Joe Yernan is going to be joining me for a show every Tuesday. So Tuesdays are going to be Joe Yernan. Casual Fridays are going to continue, but going forward, starting next Friday, I'm going to have Aaron Quinn from Cover One. That's going to be my guy for Casual Friday. So Tuesday with Joe Yernan, Fridays with Aaron Quinn, and then Wednesdays is going to be the show each week where I have a different guest. Some of them will be remote. Some of them will tape live at uh, wing spots like we did in the past. I just want to let you guys know that. So thank you for uh, being patient. Anyway, as for today, good friend of mine, recurring guest, writer, expected Buffalo creator, Chad D. Domenesis. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, Pat. How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you doing this. We're taping this pretty late on uh, Wednesday night after... The Sabres, or Tuesday night, I'm sorry, we're taping it, after the Sabres' second last preseason game. A couple things I wanted to get into before that. We'll talk some Sabres, and you've been on before enough times to know, and people who listen enough, Chad's not just a hockey guy. I know it seems like Chad's a hockey guy because he (laughs) writes about hockey, but if you follow him on Twitter, especially during Bills games, you would know this. Chad's a football guy, too, so I like to kind of pick his brain a little bit and talk some football, so we'll certainly do both of those. For anything else, though, let's just jump right into something else here. So we're taping this again, Tuesday, Chad and I are both New York Yankee fans and it's been mm-hmm. a long process, man. We've been waiting for, well, first we waited for a while for 61 and then we got that. And finally tonight with uh, only one game left after tonight, Aaron Judge finally hits uh, number 62. So again, hopefully people are watching this on Wednesday. So it'll, so it'll be semi-fresh. Let me play the clip real quick. I got it here. I'm going to pull it right up. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have, but I'm going to play it again anyway because it just makes me happy. Here's Aaron Judge hitting number 62. That's not the start we wanted, Aaron. I mean, Chad, here we go. (laughs) Jesus, I'm all over the place. Here we go. High fly ball. Deep left. 
staring into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Aaron Judge is the American League single season home run leader. BAL King. Case closed. All right, now that we've seen that, and I'll get my head out of my ass here, we're going to the wrong video, <laughs> calling Chad by Aaron. All right, I got my shit on straight a little bit here. First thoughts on seeing that. Again, this is fresh in our minds. It's just happened one an hour or two ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, as a Yankee fan, exciting, right? It's awesome. It, it's something that we've personally, I thought would have happened a couple of weeks ago uh, mm -hmm. on the page. On it. It, but at the same time, you know, kind of like when you get to 60, it's like, Okay, now the pressure's on to hit 61 and it hit 62. So I, I kind of, I get it from that regard that it took a little bit longer. But yeah, and it, it's fun. It's exciting, you know, to have that type of thing um, in today's, you know, league, basically. So, um, you know, it's cool. It's fun. Um, you could tell the pressure was getting to him a little bit. Yeah. You wouldn't come on and say it. I would expect tonight or yeah. tomorrow for the next few days, he'll kind of reflect back and, and maybe talk about the pressure of getting 61 and, and then ultimately 62. Now, do you consider 60? It's obviously it's undisputed. He's the AL home run King all time, single season, not the all time single season. However, right. a lot of controversy. Sosa McGuire, of course, Barry Bonds in your book. Is he the legitimate home run King or do you still consider Barry Bonds and then even McGuire were so ahead of them as uh as the home run kings for a single season. No, I mean I I, I would still consider the other guys. Look, it we know those guys were cheating, but at the same time, to be fair, the, the pitchers were cheating too. Everybody was mm -hmm. cheating. It's not like just those three guys were the only ones cheating at that time. Everybody was doing it. Pitchers, hitters, you know, whatever. So in that sense, I mind that's how I've always justified it that it was a fair playing field because everybody was doing it. It's not like it was just those guys and nobody else was cheating. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they're so legitimate. The, the numbers count, and that's the way it goes. But you know, this is something that you can look at differently. You know, it's not in the juiced era. You could say, you know, it's it's kind of at a time too when pitching is more dominant than ever. You could say too. So you know, that that's even more credence to judge there to to get that done. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a little bit of this is also hitting me. I mean, not not to go down the potential bad news part of it. It is it, it always it, it stuff like this gets me to the off season with him. Like, okay, this would really stink if this was his last season as a Yankee. And like, it, it it's in my head. Like, I I in my gut, I feel like he's coming back because it's Aaron Judge's New York City. Like, come on, like he know? just feels New York. Yeah. I you're right. Don't get me wrong, and it is something to be concerned about because it didn't get done. End of the day, though, man, I just, first of all, I can't see the Yankees being outbid. I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money, but I just can't see him going anywhere else. I mean, it's not even, like, A-Rod was a star, but A-Rod was yeah. a star to the highest. He was like a mercenary almost. You know what I mean? He would go where, he'd go where the money would go. Derek Jeter just felt like, a, you know, the captain, the Yankee. He just epitomizes the Yankees. And I feel like Aaron Judge is kind of on that level as well now. The way yeah. he feels about New York, the way New York feels about him. Now, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, we're not behind the scenes. So who knows how negotiations went and, what, and maybe it left a bad taste in his mouth right. at some point. I don't know. But 
I just, man, I can't see him going anywhere else. But eh, you never know. Now, now, we're both Yankee fans. Do you ramp up your excitement when it gets to be playoff time? Because I'm going to be honest with you. This gave me a reason to watch more baseball Yankee games yeah. during the regular season because Aaron Judge was chasing the all-time record, which again, I consider this, by the way, the, the all-time home run record, at least as far as I'm concerned, AL. And but more importantly, just the Yankees. I, I, I it was just so cool for me as a, as a fan of the Yankees, a lifelong fan. But no, typically, man, I'm not really into it that much during the regular season. I don't watch that many games. But playoff time, Too many games ramps up. Does it ramp up for you though when it gets to be playoff time? Oh, 100. Yeah, this like I, this is when I start to get into it. I, I think at the at the last couple of weeks of the season, uh, I get into the playoff races, and then like you don't get me wrong, like I follow the team throughout the season, like I'll. I'll watch a few games here or there, you know, sure, I'll go to a game. I'll go to a game or two. Like I know what's going on. Like I'm not, I just don't, I don't block them out forever, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, when the playoffs start, you know, I'm in every game beginning to end. Like, yeah, I got, I'm in. Yeah, me too. Now the Sabres are, this is dropping Wednesday. So eight days away from the start of the regular season. Again, I've said, you're also, you're a football guy, you're a Yankees fan. You watch baseball when it ramps up postseason. But at your core, you're still a hockey guy. Is this oh, like yeah. uh, this time of year? Is this like December for you? Is this like close to Christmas? You kind of get that feeling? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you, you know, you, you kind of get that itch in September, um, especially this year when August really. I mean, August is always kind of the dog days, if you will, uh, of the off season, and literally nothing happens. But like, usually, maybe you get one or two or three things at least league wide to talk about. When this year you got like nothing so this summer was kind of after free agency uh was really a drag um so yeah it, it's you know when training camp started uh i think really around the prospect challenge is when it, you really get into it um you feel hockey's coming kind of when football starts you know it's around the corner and then the fun thing about hockey training camp is like like it opens on a tuesday and oh by the way your first game's friday like you're like you're right into it you're going so mm-hmm. um yeah, and I'm ready. Um, you just had Ottawa a week or eight days um, from today, so it it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it. Probably the most looked forward to. I guess that sounds weird to say, but season probably since like maybe Eichel's second year. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm excited, and then you know the the group for the site's excited too. Now I was going to say it's one thing as a fan, just a fan of hockey, and specifically the Sabers, but in terms of your work expected Buffalo and stuff like that. You get excited about that too, ready to ramp it up for people who are listening or watching who might not know, tell people a little bit about expected Buffalo and some of the things that you're going to do that you have done and that you're going to continue to do that are a little bit unique compared to a lot of the other blogs and and things out there. Yeah. I mean, our whole thing, for those who don't know, um, where we're, we write about the Sabres, but we kind of take a different angle from it most of the time. Not every single time, but most of the time. Um, we're a website that focuses on the analytics side of hockey. That's our bread and butter. Anthony, myself, uh, Eddie, um, that's you know that's where we, we cut our teeth, essentially. That's how we kind of bring a different lens than really – I mean, it, those that numbers are becoming more prevalent in hockey, so it's like not like it's just us like, talking about it. Um, but I think that's kind of what we do. It's what we focus on. It's what we lean into. Um, and it goes beyond that, not only at the NHL level covering the Sabres, uh, something I've done for a couple of years now that I'll do again this year is, excuse me, is, is player tracking uh, at the AHL level. So the unique fun thing about the AHL this year with the Americks is there's a lot of interesting players. Luke Prusak is one. 
Uh, Yuri Kulich, who was just drafted the first round this year. Isaac Rosine, who drafted in the first round last year. Uh, Philip Cedarquist. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing guys too, but there's a, a litany long list of interesting prospects in the AHL this year. So we'll do uh, player tracking because you don't really have advanced stats for AHL. Those aren't public, publicly available, so nobody really gets that. So it's kind of a unique perspective that we provide for our subscribers. It's, uh, you know, it's not your shot share, your shot quality. I'm kind of going to abandon that this year because it makes it more difficult to do that on a game-by-game basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more looking at shot attempts, basically looking at all the, we call them microstats, but all of the ways that kind of lead to a scoring opportunity. Primary assists, secondary assists, uh, four checks, uh, zone entry, zone exits, um, high danger chances, high danger passes, uh, shot attempts, you know, all, all those fun things that kind of the nuances that go into playing defense and, and creating offense um, are things that we're, we're, you know, we'll, we'll track. And it's a manual, exhausting exercise at time, but I, I think it's fun, unique data set that you really can't get anywhere else. For sure. And you, that's the red inside, by the way. Um, Chad and Anthony also do a podcast. There's an expected Buffalo mm-hmm. podcast. Let me let me ask you an honest question. To be honest with me, man, don't lie. Okay. Podcasting, you do it as part of the gig for sure. Especially when you have, especially you know when when you and Anthony have a really good set of expected Buffalo. You guys got a really nice following. You mm-hmm. do the podcast. Do you enjoy? Do you truly enjoy doing a podcast, or is it something that you do again because it's part of what you <laughs> offer as a brand? Like in in a sense. Almost everyone now, if you have a blog or you work for a website, yeah. you got to have some form of podcast that accompanies it. Does it feel like that's just something that you do because you got to do it? Or do you like truly enjoy podcasts? Because I'm going to be honest, man, I've talked to a lot of people and it goes both ways. Some people love doing a podcast and some people are like, eh, not really, but I know that's something that we got to do. How do you feel about that? It depends, I think, on what's going on. Um, I will say as the years have gone on here, I think we're going, well, me um, cause I, I was doing this with a friend of mine, Bill, before Anthony jumped out, when Bill stepped away, Anthony jumped in. Uh, I think this would be my sixth year doing a podcast as every year has gone by. I think I've got less enthused by it. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Very, fair. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. There's times where I can't wait to flip on the mic and talk. And, and a lot of it is. Yeah. I'm going to do a power, do a podcast. We get the preparation ready. And then like, it's a day of the podcast, and I'm like, Ugh. but you know, once you flip the mic on, talk to Anthony, then you kind of get into it. So really, sure. it's kind of that thing where, like, leading up to it, you really kind of don't want to do it, and then once you start doing it, like, okay, yeah, we're just talking hockey, we're having fun, it's just a conversation. You know, we like to talk about this, and so we've tried to do things, you know, to mix it up, kind of have some more fun about it. Anthony and I are kind of, you know, if you follow us or know us, we're we're kind of you know jokesters, if you will, in a sense. Sure. We kind of you try to have fun with it, especially with the team as Ben. You kind of have to have fun with it. Sure. Um, But this is going to be an interesting season. I think it's going to be different because I think this is the first season legitimately uh, that I've covered this team and I've been doing it for 2022, probably close to 10 years now that I think we're going to be talking about a team that is supposed to be winning and actually doing it and being exciting. So we've always, Anthony and I have always said, we, we know how to cover a bad team. But I think we're going to kind of find out this year if we know how to cover, at the very least, a decent team. A competitive so I think team. It's, it's yeah. a different. It's a different dynamic. I think we're going to have this year. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. When when you do a hockey podcast, if you've especially if it's been a Sabres podcast over the last handful of years, you got to find creative ways to entertain not just your listeners but yourself. 
because you're talking about a team that loses all the time. It kind of feels right. like maybe if you were a Bills podcaster, like you would be going into like their two, 2000, maybe 19 season. No, yeah. where they made they ended up making a playoffs that year, lost to Houston. But it's more fun when the team mm-hmm. is getting good. You probably get a little more energy. I'm sort of the same way. That's why I kind of like chuckled a little bit when you say that. I, I I still like this. Like I love talking to people like you once the the camera's on and the and the record yeah. buds in. And I like that. The difference I would say is the years that went on. This is going to be close to five years now for me doing this show. The difference, and I'm being honest with you and everybody here. Two, three years ago, like the opening of this podcast, 10 minutes ago, when I butchered, put it on the wrong clip, and I called you Aaron by accident instead of Chad, <laughs> I would go back afterwards and I would take the, the painstaking time to go find that, chop it out on the audio side, and then also on the video side, which takes yeah. even way more time than the audio yeah. side. I would go back and I would change every little imperfection during the podcast. Now I kind of have a mentality. I get up on the tee and I just grip it and rip it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't, if, if I make a mistake, uh, it, it, we're human and we have warts. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I just let things go. So the, the probably I, I'm less enthusiastic about the work side, the production side of everything that comes with the podcast. Now I just sit record and whatever happens, happens. Unless it's something that's horrible and I have no choice yeah. but to go back. But I couple of years ago if that would have happened when you and i i, I probably would have went back and changed it but anyway uh now, now podcast also, editing is is it's it, i think that might be the worst part of our podcasting is the editing part of it yeah yeah it's, the production part it, it's it's fun to be a guest for the most part on someone's show because you come on mm-hmm. you do your thing and then you're done you know yeah. but when you on the production side like uh joe yernan he kind of does he does both sides he comes on my show we do casual fridays which is now going to be on tuesdays and he's my guest he talks and he's done and I got to do all the bullshit work afterwards. But our maintenance day podcast that he does with Lance that drops on Mondays, it's the other way around. Yeah. Joe's doing the post-production and all that stuff. got to put the show notes and all that other stuff together. So yeah. anyway, it, it is what it is. Now, also, you've been dabbing a little bit, I noticed, recently. Not not real recently, but semi-recently. I've seen you guys dabbing, dabbling around a little bit of some live stream stuff. Is that something that you're going to be doing more of going forward? Yeah, yeah, that's um, yes. I, I think we say it every year that we want to, and I think this might be the year we actually do it. Uh, because I mean, for the very reason you just said, I think it adds a little bit more spice to doing a podcast. Um, particularly because I like the interaction of having people kind of commenting while you're 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 recording right. or while you're going. You know, I, I think the uh, like the draft show we did, I think, was a really good success. Um, a lot of people liked it. So we, <laughs> it's funny we we went for three hours which is insane i watched some of it man it was, i remember you guys was a couple other guests uh taylor fulton was on seltzer i remember there were, yeah. there were a couple people on for we for had a few chris ostrander on joe yurden was yep. on in the beginning mm-hmm. uh anthony was well the whole time with me uh eddie was supposed to be just a guest but he ended up staying the entire time um we had austin too who's a who's a big prospect guy so he's really kind of our de facto prospects guy, if you will, for respect to Buffalo. He, you know, jumps it from time to time. Uh, he was on for a while, and that was really cool because he, you know, I can say I know about these prospects, but really beyond, like, the first, like, first round to maybe early second round, beyond that, no right. way. Where Austin can, like, give you full details on the guy that's picked in the seventh round. Like, he watches those guys all season. Right. So he's one of those really in-depth draft guys. So it was kind of cool to have him on um, and do stuff like that. And then we did, like, the – you know, the live uh, prospect rankings too. 
um, yeah. that we kind of put together first by the Buffalo and then release them as, you know, basically we had the debate um, of ranking them ourselves, you know, when then people were interacting too. So yeah, I think, you know, I think we want to do something more like that. I think um, now that COVID is, I, I don't want to say over, but the world considers it over. Um, I think we've always talked about like doing more like live podcasts to like going out somewhere and doing something, something like that. Um, Cause Anthony and I like to meet people and talk to people. Um, yeah, me too. So, I, those are my favorite shows when I get a chance yeah. to do them live. And I think you guys are good at that. Doing a live stream, I think that's something that'll work well for you. This is where we we differ a little bit, you and I, because and eventually I'm going to do some live streams as well. I haven't done any to this point, but interaction wise, like my show is, I, I got you on, and I already know what I wanted. I don't need no comments from other people. I already know <laughs> what me, you and I are going to talk about. The difference is you're a you're you're a guy like you're almost like an analyst in a way when it comes to hockey. So if you're doing a hockey live stream. People are going to want to ask you questions. You know, they're right. going to comment. Yep. And they're going to ask you questions because you're very much an X's and O's guys too. You know what I mean? So yep. you can answer questions live in real time. That's why I think live streams would work really, uh, really good for you guys. And again, turn our attention to the Sabers. This should be should be a fun year for you guys to finally a fun year for you guys to uh, <laughs> to cover the team. Second last preseason game Tuesday night as we're taping this. They beat Carolina four to two. Um, Again, I watched the game. I told you this before we started taping. So many times I have Joe Yurt on the show, and I'm, I bullshit my way through because I didn't actually watch the game, and Joe ends up talking about the whole thing. Um, Just this whole entire preseason, I, I guess, not necessarily this one game on Tuesday night. This has been a, kind of like the way the season sort of ended last year. Like, like for an example, Tuesday yeah. night's game, tonight's game, I had fun watching it. There were times where I forgot it was a preseason game. It was like the pucks moving around. They were flying around. I, I actually, I was pretty entertained, especially for a preseason game tonight. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I think they, they came out um, hot out of the gate and, and that's cool. Um, especially being, you know, I mean, again, it wasn't like a packed house or anything, but uh, right. you know, to have, you know, the, your fans in, in the building and to kind of. It's kind of um, how the crowd's been for the last few yeah, years. Though. Right? So it's not yeah. like it's been packed houses during the regular yeah. season. But yeah, uh, yeah. And the first few periods, yeah, they're on fire. And you know, I had to keep telling myself the Hurricanes brought their AHL team almost literally. So like sure. you, you have the Sabres NHL lineup against the Canes AHL lineup. So like, you know, but uh yeah, I mean a lot of these guys you could see, you know, I was always skeptical uh about end of season stuff carrying over into next season. You know, I don't know if that's really a thing. Um, I've even done some research on it, you know, an article I think I've written a year or two ago where it's it's kind of not. Uh, but, you know, something with this team, it's just, it's just you can see the, the confidence. Um, Darlene doesn't look like he's going to forget to play hockey the first half of the season. He still has that confidence he had last year. Uh, Tage Thompson looks looks unreal. Uh, so, I mean, he looks in <laughs> today, he looked even better than he did last year. Yeah. Uh, Cousins looks like he's ready to take a snap. Even Middlestead looked really good in the preseason, too. Or, like, or not just tonight, but I think overall. Um, so maybe he's ready to go if he can find this healthy. I think Jack Quinn looked really exciting. Uh, and then Owen Power, just the guy is so, he's so impressive. And I think it's going to be so fun to watch because he's not going to do flashy things. But if you just watch him play, the things he does, within a game to help you win, to generate offense. Like it's, it's unreal. And, and, you know, I'm sure I'll write about it many times with video clips and everything to kind of break it down and show people, but like 
just the way, like even just like in the offensive zone, like he keeps offensive zone time alive because of how aggressive he is pinching down from the wall. He'll retrieve a puck, regroup, and then restart the offensive cycle. And he can like, it, it's it's exciting. You know, to have Darlene, if he's going to play at that level, to have power, the level he can be at, and then all of the exciting stuff going forward. And then, oh, by the way, you have the best prospect pool in the NHL too behind all of that. Um, good times ahead, I think. Definitely good times ahead. I want to talk to you about the line combinations that um, Granado has out right now. And I, I think he had something along. He said something along the lines. I'm completely paraphrasing, but this is what he thinks he might go into the season with or what he's looking to. He's not going to yeah. mess around with it much. Let me read these off to you and, and get your thoughts on them. So these were the Sabres four lines of practice and then in the game uh, Tuesday night here against Carolina. So Skinner and Thompson stay together and they're with Olofsson. And then you have Middlestad who's centering uh, Alex Tuck and Jack Quinn, who you talked about. And then that third line, you got Cousins, who's centering J.J. Paterka and Peyton Krebs, which I want to ask mm-hmm. you about that line specifically because Anthony, your partner in Expected Buffalo, I was reading a couple of his tweets earlier Tuesday. And then the fourth line is uh, Gergeson centering Akposo and Aspen. I want to get your general thoughts on those four lines and more specifically that line of Cousins, Paterka, and Krebs. And Anthony was – Expressing a little bit of concern because of the maybe the defensive side of that line, those guys being young and nobody really proven as a two-way player yet. But anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts on these lines and specifically that one. What do you think? Yeah, I get what Anthony was saying. Um, I don't wholeheartedly agree, I, I guess you could say. I don't agree, just I found it interesting that they're going to kind of try to rebuild that log line like when Larson was here, but you know, with Jerkins as an apostle, but instead of Larson, it's gonna be Asplin now. Uh I thought he kind of made sense as a guy like he did last year, played up the lineup um as a nice defensive player for the younger guys and kind of solidify those lines of younger players. Um so much so that he received Selkie votes last year. It's how good he was defensively. But it looks like they're gonna kind of go back to you know building that de facto log line if you will, but not with Aspen there. So that's fine. Um you know, <laughs> that first line with Tuck, Skinner, and Olofsson is going to be very interesting because when they played together last season, look at their numbers. Uh, offensively, they were really good, really good. But defensively, they almost gave it all back because they were pretty bad defensively. Now, you can do things with that to, you know, how you deploy them situationally, uh, the defensive group you put around them. You can do things to mitigate that. And maybe, you know, I, th- I think Thompson played really good today defensively as, as a centerman. So maybe, you know, in his second year as a centerman, he kind of takes on more of the defensive roles, understands it, and you get a step there, and overall that helps your team defensively. Uh, so that that makes sense while that group probably going to get back together. Uh, the middle stat, middle stat Quinn and Tuck line, uh, yeah. I, I think they're using Tuck essentially as the guy to protect middle stat and Quinn. Um, similar to what he did with Skinner and Thompson last year, you know, uh, <laughs> Tuck is unbelievable how important he is to this team. It's really hard to describe. Um, so I really like that group today, the three of them together. I think that makes sense going into the season. Uh, and then the Cousins line is is going to be interesting. It, it, it we'll see. We'll see if it's going to be Paterka or Hennestros on that one wing. Um, honestly. It wouldn't stun me if Hinnestroza starts over Paterka and Paterka ends up in the AHL, but we'll see how that goes. 
and then the other winger being uh, Krebs, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I Granado likes to put a lot of pressure on Cousins. He likes to. I mean, if you remember last season, Cousins was playing against McDavid on some nights. That was the matchup, right? He played against McDavid. He plays against Crosby. Uh, the other team's top line. He gave him that responsibility. He gave him that pressure. Uh, and, and some nights it went really well. Some nights it went pretty poor. Uh, and I, I think this season he's relying on Cousins, you know, being his third year in the league uh, to kind of take that step. And I think from what I've seen in the preseason, he's just looked really good. I think he's ready to do that. I think he's improved his game defensively. I think he starts to understand now what he can and cannot do on the rush. Uh, and, I, and I think that's also going to result in higher goal scoring numbers. So while I think that one line might be on an island at times, and it could be a little bit sketchy, uh, you know, I have utmost, conf- utmost confidence in Cousins. Uh, he, he's my breakout guy this year. I was saying it in the end of last year in the offseason. Uh, he, he's he's my breakout guy this year, and I'm pretty still pretty confident that's going to happen. Uh, let's uh... – where do I want to go? I want to circle back when you talked about Henestrosa. Now again, preseason is preseason, and they were basically mm-hmm. playing an AHL team. For what it's worth, Henestrosa scored a goal tonight. A really nice feed from Page yep. Thompson. Cousins also scored. I believe it was shorthanded too. He scored a goal. Uh, he did yes tonight as well. And, and then we mentioned Paterka. He scored into an empty net uh, to clinch the victory. And then Thompson had a really nice breakaway goal. Those were the four goals uh, for the Sabres tonight. But anyway, so you can't see Henestrosa initially starting while Paterka goes into the AHL because, you know, I've talked about this with Joe a few times and this was, there weren't a lot of mysteries. I'm sure you agree with this. There weren't a lot of mysteries and training camp plots going into this mm-hmm. preseason in camp. Not a lot of, you know, like, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. But that, so if there was one to me, it was Quinn and Paterka, but I was reasonably confident that Quinn was going to start in Buffalo right from the beginning. And it certainly appears to be, that's going to be the case, but, Turka, it's like if he doesn't have a certain role, you think it might be better for him to go to Rochester to start the season? If you were Granado and, and you were in charge of making a decision and these were your guys and your decisions to make with this lineup, what would you do with J.J. Paterka right now? It's so hard. Um, honestly, we don't know yet, but Granado might have, not in a good way, might get an out on this depending on what Oposo's injury is because he didn't play in the third period today. Uh, so if he's going to miss any sort of time here, you know, I, I think Granado gets out of making a decision because then you can keep both. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's healthy, um, it, it's funny because I think last year Paterka deserved to make this roster and they made the decision better for his development that he starts in the AHL. <laughs> it's easy. We can have an opposite situation where I think he's actually played relatively poorly in the preseason games he's played in, but I still think he can still make the team. So it's interesting how that dynamic might actually work out. But if I'm Granado, I would probably, I would probably put Paterka down there and tell him he's my first call up based on things that we've seen. I, I think he's struggled with a few things, um, you know, in terms of defensively, in terms of decision, make with the puck. Uh, I think he's seeing that it's more difficult to beat a NHL defender than it was an AHL defender. Cause down in the AHL, you kind of just, I'm faster, bigger, stronger than you, and I'm just going to skate by you. Uh, but that doesn't really work at the NHL level necessarily. And and don't get me wrong, the AHL team is going to be loaded with a lot of young guys too, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think when you drafted Paterka in the second round two years ago, 
if you would have said he he's borderline NHL player by year two, uh, I think you'd have been pretty excited with that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's tough because of the season he had last year. You know, one of the, right behind Jack Quinn, excellent rookie season. Uh, you can make an argument those are the two best rookies in minor hockey this, last year, and they're you know they're, they're nineteen years old. Uh, so I just. You know, it's hard to push in and shows out. I think he gives you certain things um, from a veteran aspect. I think he's a speed guy. Uh, I think at least to start the season to make sure your team gets off on on the right foot. Um, to have him show us to do that, and then as you know, injuries are going to happen. We might even have one already. Uh, and then tell Paterka, you know, you're the first call up. Let's go down there and work on some of these things you struck with in the preseason, and then you're my first call up when something happens, and we'll get you right back up here. So plus, yeah, to your point, it's not like they're punting the president by playing in no. a Now he's a pretty, he's a serviceable player. Yeah. So Bjork, Bjork, Bjork's your, Bjork's your extra forward. Correct. To start the season. Uh, Shane, my extra forward to start the season. I, I'm, I, I legitimately think that they're going to wait Bjork. Yeah. I just don't think this organization has any more use for him anymore. Okay. And if someone um, claims him, then whenever, if not, then he goes on to the age. So I, I think Riley Shane is right now, I would say is your 13 forward. Okay. And, uh, Captain, I Oposo. Oposo. Yeah, for sure. Oposo this year, Dali next year. And with Owen Power, you spoke of him. He's going to be playing with Yoki Haru to start the season. How do you feel about that combination? I mean, it's not like there's a ton of options right now for him, but yeah, Yoki Haru scares me. Uh, he has not been good in the preseason. He was not good last year until Power arrived. Uh, and he started to play better with power. So maybe you hope. Well, I, I, would, I shouldn't say Yoki R, I think, was fine tonight. He, he made one bad mistake, one rough pass. Uh, but other than that, he, he wasn't really noticeable, which is a good thing. Uh, that's what you want from him. Um, but yeah, Yoki Haru. Yoki Haru scares me a little bit. Um, especially when, you know, your right side of your defense is, is kind of shallow. Um, for, for the Sabres, you know, they, they have Lebushkin, who's a right shot defenseman. Um, it's nice that you have Dalini who can play on the right side now, uh, and then Sam's uh, Samuelson on the left. Uh, Bryson kind of gives that flexibility to play on the right side. I think Casey, in Casey Fitzgerald's a right shot defenseman, but I don't know. I think at the end of the day, he's a seventh defenseman for you at best. Then there's really not much in your organization behind him. There's Oscarie Laxinen, who I don't know. The guy really still can't figure out how to defend at the pro level, so I'm not really thinking much out of him. So. You know, if, if Yoki Haru doesn't work out, it, it puts him in a tough spot on the right side. Uh, they have options if it doesn't. And like I said, Bryson, then he can move Pilot up here on the left side, and, and it works out for you. But, yeah, I'm just hoping Power can keep Yoki Haru where he was in that small sample size last season. One last question with the Sabres involving the Sabres. I wanted to ask you about the goaltender, Eric Comrie, the, the new uh-huh. addition. Haven't seen too much of him, obviously, in the preseason, but from what you have seen or from camp and just everything you've seen and read and heard, how are you feeling about him going into the season? And do you think he has that ability? Not Maybe not necessarily to be, uh, you know, uh, undisputed number one who's going to play 60, 65 games, but just as even if he's the 1A goaltender going into this season, uh, what have you seen from him? What are you thinking? Yeah, he's... <laughs> uh, I mean, in a sense, Comrie's my guy. He's the guy that I kind of petitioned for. Yeah, I remember that uh, all off season. So yeah, I remember. You know, um, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the season rides on how good he's going to be. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I'm 100 percent confident that he's going to be as good as he was as the backup in Winnipeg last year because I don't 
I don't know. But if you look at his numbers and small sample sizes, they're impressive. And it's not only the NHL level, it's the AHL level too. So, you know, I, I like the way he moves in net. I think he's, I like the way he is positionally. Um, I thought he played really good against Columbus. I know there's four goals that were let up against him, but kind of what you saw happen to Carolina tonight from Buffalo happened in Columbus to the Sabres. Um, he was shelled almost the entire night. I think he made a lot of good saves. That game could have been 8-7-1 to one or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he played relatively well in that game. Um, and we'll see. You know, it, it's goaltending has been a thing in Buffalo for years. So, you know, you just you 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 hope for the best. And, and that's all you can really can do with goaltenders in the NHL. It's it's so up and down from year to year. It's harder, it's the hardest thing to predict in this league. So you kind of just cross your fingers and, and you hope for the best. Sounds good. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, come back on the other side. I'll have a chat. We're gonna actually talk. Couple of minutes worth of Buffalo Bills. Be right back, folks. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which, by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, Make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 
All right, I am back with Chad D. Dominicis from Expected Buffalo. All right, so let's turn our attention for a few minutes here, talking about the Buffalo Bills. We're a month in, four weeks in, three and one. I, I would venture to say if I asked you before the season started, what would you think the Bills would be after four games? And you said three. I told you they'd be three and one. You'd be like, yeah, pretty much sounds about right. Yep. What's What's been a couple of your biggest, your biggest uh, – takeaways through the first month of the season and then i got a handful of things both good and bad that i wanted to hit on and and get your reaction but like maybe so far through the first month your 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 biggest takeaway josh allen is really good <laughs> i mean that's that's maybe number one two three four and five sure uh i, I don't even know what to say like it's the arc this guy has taken from where he was when he first entered this league to now, maybe with no exaggeration, with no exaggeration ever, but I mean, no exaggeration right now, almost unstoppable. Literally, yeah. the only way he has stopped in most cases is either by extreme heat, and even that didn't really slow him down that much, uh, or a turnover. There, yeah. there is like other than that, you really don't stop this guy, oh. and. It's wild. He does what he wants when he wants. It's insane. Puts the ball near where he wants. He'll run wherever he wants. You're not going to tackle him. He's going to run over you. It's it's insanity. It, it's insanity. So that that's that's the top takeaway. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. The other takeaways I have is the defense is really impressive. Uh, in you know, you talk. I mean, the Bills' offense is obviously the focus, but then like, you follow that up with, I think this defense is better than it, it might be the best defense McDermott has had. Uh, I mean, they're playing as well as they are right now. I mean, even look look against Lamar Jackson or other good quarterbacks they faced. They're playing as good as they are right now without Hyde, without Trey White, without Oliver, without Phillips. Like then they they were playing a UB you know undrafted free agent a couple weeks ago. And you know they don't have their main guys. Benford got hurt when he looked good. Like they don't have their big guys, and they're still just a dominant defensive force. And it's not like last year. It's not against bad quarterbacks. It's Stafford. It, it Tannehill's. Eh. It's it's Tua who's had a good season. It, it's Lamar Jackson. Like the first bad quarterback you can like, quote unquote bad. You're they're going to receive is Kenny Pickett this week. Mm-hmm. So, I <laughs> mean. When you put that together, it's just it, it, it gets to have the super the Super Bowl favorite, right? When you add all of that up. But I think there's issues within that. I think, you know, not from the defensive side, but maybe the offensive side. I think the running back situation behind beyond singletary is something to be concerned about. I think the wide receiver depth, especially with Gabe Davis being hobbled, can become a problem. Um so I, I think from an offensive standpoint, that'd be my two areas of concern. Um, the running back situation behind Singletary, and I think the depth at wide receiver. I want to circle back to a couple of points that you hit on, but more so than anything else with Josh Allen, because I agree. it's He's playing at a level that's so good, it's almost easy to take it for granted. Now it's expected for him to go out and do what he did. And let's even just talk about that Baltimore game for a minute, because he especially in the first half, now guys were dropping balls, but he was also a yeah. little too amped up. I watched um, Isaiah McKenzie. In fact, shout out Tyler Dunn. I went to uh, Mr's on Monday night. He has the Isaiah McKenzie show he does with him. 
and Isaiah was talking about Josh was throwing the ball too hard. He pretty much just said that straight up. Oh, yeah. He was whipping Dates, it in there. People. Everybody. Yep. He was whipping yep. the ball. He wasn't taking anything off yeah. of it. And Isaiah said between the, you know, the rain and everything, it was just really hard to catch the ball. He was too amped up. But anyway, my point was this. He makes plays when he has to, like that touchdown run. Or forget about the touchdown run. It was a fourth down conversion, fourth and one. They snuffed the play out. He rolled out to the left. He got the guy up with the fake. Yeah. And then and, and, and got the first down. He ran for that touchdown. He evaded a sack twice and hit Shakir along the sidelines on a second and three right before the two-minute warning. It reminded me in, in ways of the Kansas City game in the playoffs mm -hmm. last year. And to your point, we say unstoppable. When he's playing like that, he legitimately is unstoppable. His career development and how good he got now compared to what he was coming into the league, I think there's very few quarterbacks ever. And I've heard... A lot of sports media people say this who cover the league. There's been very few quarterbacks who have developed at a level who've went from here to here like Josh Allen ever has. And he's yeah. so good now that every time you see a quarterback come into the league and they don't play well early on, because Josh's stats were not good early on, you see you take a Justin Fields and you're like, well, his stats after 20 games is this, that, and the other, you know. <laughs> and people are saying, oh, well, Josh Allen's stats are only this and that. But there's not a lot of people who come into the league and develop like Josh Allen does. It's just, it's so damn easy to take how good he is for granted, man. Yeah. And that was my number one takeaway to it. And I wrote this in my notes, like money, getting the big contract and the hype, you know, all the offseason hype playing with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes on, on national TV, golf and all the yeah. accolades yeah. and the predictions of him winning MVP. You would be like, I was a little concerned going into the season that, is this going to get in his head just a little bit? Because it would be easy to do that. Yeah. The answer so far is hell no, man. He's the guy's so man. down to earth, man. You know he is, dude. He, he just he really is. That's a good thing. I got a handful of good things. Some of them you you talked about. Uh, I think Vaughn Miller's as good as advertised. Yeah, he's got three sacks already. He had two in the first game, and it's not even the stats. And we said this before the season. Don't look at how many sacks he has. It's when he gets them, when they're going to matter the most in the biggest moments. He's going to make his teammates around him better. I think that's certainly the case. So I think Vaughn Miller's been as good as advertised. I think Gregory Rizzo is clearly taking the next step. Yeah. He's already got four sacks this year. He's got at least a half a sack in all four games. He looks really good. And he's a really good edge setter in defending the run, too. So he's not just the guy who gets after the quarterback. Um, we talked about Josh Allen. Uh, I brought up Isaiah McKenzie. It's another good point that I think so far this year. He's a... Uh, what do you think of Isaiah McKenzie? I, I think he's functioning just fine in the slot. Now, yeah. I did tweet out Sonny because I was annoyed because these guys were dropping the freaking football over the place. <laughs> and Isaiah does make mistakes. Like, he caught one pass. I remember it, too. He caught a pass on second down instead of falling forward for the first down like Cole Beasley always did. He kind of took a step back, yeah, got tackled for the yeah. loss, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they got stuffed and didn't convert and ended up having a punt. Ooh, I was pissed off. I tweeted something about the Bills, you know, having that missing that Cole Beasley. But, again, that was kind of an idiot knee-jerk reaction from me. <laughs> McKenzie's put up good numbers, man. I think he just looked just fine in the slide. And yep. he scored two touchdowns. What do, what do you think yep. of this game so far this year? Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, it, he's been what he's been the last year or so. You know, I, I don't know if he's a full-time slot guy for you. Um, I honestly think there's more they can do with him. Um, you know, jet sweeps, getting him in space more. Uh, I think there's more of that you can even – you know, make him more more of an impact player. But yeah, I mean, I don't have any issues with what he's brought to this team, what he's done. Uh, he's a good red zone threat. It's it's shown. And I think because you know of his size, he he kind of can get lost like in bunch situations or on you know, um, I don't want to say screens. It's not really a screen, but like on motion plays. You know, I think he can get lost in the red zone because of his size. So 
you know, I, I think that's an advantage to you. Um, so yeah, I don't have any issues at all with how he's played. I think he's he's been what you would kind of hope for. Yeah, and two other things too. I I think for the most part, I think the Bills' depth this year, which has certainly been tested, yeah. we talked about a lot of the injuries. I think the depth's been pretty good. Tamar Hamlin's been all right. You know, Jaquan Johnson did some good things in Miami, a couple of mistakes too. But anyway, these guys are just forcing the action. Benford before he got hurt. Um, on the defensive end, got guys like uh, Boogie Basham's done some things. Shaq Lawson had a key play in that game. That interception by Jordan Poyer in the end zone, the second Poyer interception, that doesn't happen if Shaq Lawson doesn't force Lamar Jackson out of the, the pocket right. and make him yeah. throw on the run. So little yeah. no-key things like that. The offensive line's been tested already. Uh, Quinn Morris has done some things. Reggie Gilliam has done some positive things. So this team's pretty deep. It's not like I look at teams like uh, – like say the Rams last year, we won it all, but the Rams are very like top heavy. You know, there's some teams in the league that got three or four superstars and they're top heavy. And then the, yeah. the talent level really dips. I, I feel like this Bills team is really, really deep. And we're seeing that uh, through the first month. And then the last thing, and I don't know if I want to get your opinion on this too, because some people thought it was an overblown stat. It didn't mean shit, but the Bills have lost a lot of one score games. They were either 0 or 7 or 0 and 8. They've either lost seven or eight. I can't remember what it is in a row. One seven. score game. Was, was it seven? Yeah. And the chatter was, and I don't get me wrong. I created some of the chatter myself. I was questioning the same thing. I'm like, either the bills run you out of the stadium with their talent or you punch them in the face. It gets to the fourth quarter. It's a close game and they're finding ways to lose. So anyway, um, this win in Baltimore, I'm glad they won the way they did. I'm, yeah. I'm happier that they won the way they did. If, if they would have won in the Baltimore and won 41 to 10, I would have been like, all right, cool. We're the better team. And yeah. he showed it. Great. But the fact that they had to come back, they played ugly. They came back. It was a close game, fourth quarter, last drive. They score and they win. That meant a lot. I think that gets the monkey off their back. And I don't know if they'll admit it or not, but I, I think that might have been something that was weighing on them a little bit. Oh, shit. It's the last five minutes. And, you know, what's going to yeah. happen now? What, what do you think about that? Do you think that was exaggerated or do you think that was real? So... I guess it's funny to hockey guys. I think Kevin and I kind of pushed a lot of that conversation um, in, in terms. It wasn't really, it's not the record. Okay. Like, like yeah, the record there, there's, there's flukes, but then, and then I understand, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't so much the record for me. It It's, I, I think it's one thing that you said. I, I think I want to see them do it like to, for them mentally going, you know, going into the, cause this year is about one thing. It's winning a Super Bowl. So that's what my focus is, and and I want, I wanted them to have one, two, three games where, uh, they have those close games and they pull them out. I think mentally going into the playoffs because I think that's when it tightens up. You're not going to win every single game, forty-one to ten in the playoffs. You're not going to have a Patriots game every single one. You know, Patrick Mahomes is still up to playing football, and you're probably going to run into him again. Hopefully, in your building this time, but you're probably going to run into him again, and you got to be ready to play a close game. So. That was one aspect of it. I think the other aspect of it is, you know, you can just say Kansas City. I mean, it's the difference. The room for error in winning a Super Bowl is so thin that those small decisions of a 4%, 5% or less chance of winning can be the difference between winning a Super Bowl or not. So my thing has always been, not always been, but recently kind of is, is 
I think the team itself, you know, Josh, you know, he, he, he won that game for them twice last year. So I think he's, he's shown that he can do that. I think the defense has to show, and, and they've done it recently, um, that they can lock teams down in close games. I think it did it against the Rams. It did it against the Ravens. So we've seen that. So that's good. So the, then the last thing maybe we need to see is if McDermott is up to it again. Because I think two years in a row now in Kansas City, he hasn't been up to it. Right. I, th- I think the first year um, he played scared and they lost. Mm-hmm. The second year, there were one or two decisions within the game that were questionable. Um, you're being really mind, nice. Calling it questionable is being really nice, by the way. In my mind, when you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you never assume you're getting a stop. So you should be trying to score touchdowns every single chance you get. Mm-hmm. In, in that type of game, whether you're on Kansas City side or you're on Buffalo side, if you force the other offense to kick a field goal, that is a stop. That counts as a stop. So, But all, even with those bad decisions – they were at the point to win the football game. And that team lost, and you will not convince me otherwise, that team lost because of that coaching staff. That is why that team lost that game. No other reason. You will not get an argument from me. I have went at it with people literally off season, the entire off season. I like Sean McDermott as a character. I guy. do too. I, he makes I, a lot of good choices. He does. He is most ninety five percent of the time. He makes the right call. He is aggressive. He needs to be aggressive. Right. But it's that five percent, and that five percent seems to always come when it matters and when it's tight. Yeah. There's no question. There, Anyone who could come away with any conclusion other than Sean McDermott gagged away the last 13 seconds of that playoff game, you're overthinking it. You know, you could have a whole entire spreadsheet full of facts, figures, and numbers. Sean McDermott gagged away those last 13 seconds at Kansas City. Now, coaches have done that in the past. He's not the first coach to do that. And he'll have plenty of opportunities, hopefully, especially this year, to redeem himself. Andy Reid was known as a guy who couldn't win a big game for quite Mm -hmm. a while. And then Andy Reid won the big game. And now people don't say that shit no more. Hopefully that'll be what happens with Sean McDermott for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I, yeah, I do. I really, I agree with you. And I think championship teams, any championship team in any sport, I think there's an element of luck involved. You're going to win ugly close games. I don't yep. care who you are. Even the Edmonton Oilers, the Wayne Gretzky years, when they would win the cup every single year, it felt like I'm sure they won close games, you know, and even in the, well, maybe not, maybe they did win eight to one every, every <laughs> game. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers of the eighties is the wrong team to be comparing to when well, you know what I'm saying, man, you gotta, you gotta win those close, ugly games, get ugly. I feel like the bills won a game. They should have lost just like the week before that they lost or, or they would have, they lost a game that they, they absolutely should have won. Yeah. So kind of balanced yep. out negative side. Well, you hit on it already. Injuries, man, Mike, I gone. I hate that at, at Oliver hasn't, played except for the first half of the first game i i think he's one of the better defensive tackles in the mm-hmm. nfl and i'm just dying to see it again on uh yep. jordan phillips what a difference maker he is it's so funny too because he was so good with the bills but they didn't want to pay him understandably so at the time they yep. let him walk he goes to arizona he does absolutely shit in arizona comes back to buffalo and he's a beast again it's just yep. crazy how much he wanted to play her. but anyway yep. he's messed mitch morris has not been hundred percent. He missed that yeah, Miami right, right. game, which was huge. Jordan yeah. Boyd didn't play in the Miami game. You can make a very, very strong case that the Bills are four and zero. Forget all the other guys. Just if Jordan Boyer plays, he probably makes a play at some point in that game. That's what he's been doing all the year. Third and twenty-two probably doesn't happen if Boyer's in the lineup. 
Right, 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 right. Yeah, Jaquan Johnson and they one played by Waddle. He got smoked. Um, and then the other thing, which is kind of a two-parter, Gabe Davis is playing, but he's still not healthy. And I'm telling you, man, this is a concern of mine. If I'm the Bills, and I've said this for two weeks running, and I'm going to really bang that drum this week, I would not play him this week. Get him healthy because you're playing Kansas City and Green Bay after that. Dude, there's not a bigger Gabe Davis fan on the Twitter app than me. I love Gabe Davis. I've been saying that dude could be the next Mike Evans for well over a year now before the Kansas City playoff game. But I, So I watch him and I know him. And he ain't right. In fact, I, look, I saw him on Monday night at Barbell. And I'm not going to say he was limping, but you could just tell when someone's mm -hmm. still walking a little gingerly. And he clearly is not 100%. And you're seeing it. He dropped a, he didn't drop a touch out of Miami, but he had two hands on a ball that got knocked out that the Gabe Davis I know comes down with. He had two drops in Baltimore. He's not getting any separation at all. It's almost like he's, he's some kind of decoy well, out there or I mean, something. To be I don't fair, know. he never really ever got separation. That's not really that, the game. That's true. He's a contestant. You're right. No, you're you're hundred percent right. But it just feels to me without a healthy Gabe Davis to get downfield and throw that ball and sling yeah. it around, the Bills have almost become like a dink and dunk offense right. these last couple weeks. I was been effective. They should have won in Miami. They did win in Baltimore, but there's just an element when Gabe Davis and, and you kind of hit on this when he's not in that lineup, that depth, they don't have a, a Gabe Davis replacement. I mean, obviously they don't have a Diggs replacement either, but yeah, Mackenzie Shakir. Crowder has got a broken ankle. They're kind of semi-interchangeable. But Gabe Davis, especially in Diggs, I don't know, man. The depth is a little bit of concern. And I don't know. If you're if you're McDermott, you kind of looked at me like uh, you would not sit Gabe Davis. You say, do you disagree with me? Does he play through it? What do you do with him? He's not right. We we both agree on that. He's not 100% yeah. and it shows. I don't think you're wrong in your in your thought process. The problem you have here is, I think you said it, you have Crowder has a broken ankle and you have McKenzie in the concussion protocol. Yeah. And Kumaro's out. So you're down two receivers, Kumaro and Crowder, and McKenzie's questionable. Does he play? Probably. With the concussion, you don't know for sure. True. So, and you're in that point. Okay, then you're going to say Gabe Davis. Then what? You're going to have Diggs and Shakir and Isaiah Hodgins? Like, it's Pittsburgh. You, you probably should still win, but you, you, I think that's getting close to playing with fire kind of territory. Um, it's putting a lot on Josh's shoulders. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess, I guess that by the buy being really, I think maybe is going to help because after the Kansas City game, you get that buy, so you maybe you just kind of grit them through the next two weeks and then really rest him up in that bye before the Green Bay game. He was, I mean, you look at Gabe Davis, healthy Gabe Davis, the end of last year, that Kansas City game, what more can you say? And even in the, the Rams game, he did. The yeah, Rams right, game, yeah, he yeah. scored the first touchdown. He was basically yeah. unguardable. And you ain't going to get double teamed because you got Stephon Diggs on the other side. You know what right. I mean? So there's not much you could do about it. But he's just, you're right. He's not a guy who gets a lot of separation. He's not a crisp route runner. He's no Stephon Diggs. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not like that. But. He's just and for what it's a, worth, a bad ankle doesn't mean your hands are broken. The, the dude's got to catch balls. I know. Like, and that, that bad I, ankle or not. Like, I, I, I talked about that too. I wonder out loud. It's like this is affecting him physically, obviously. I wonder if yeah. it's I wonder if the ankle is affecting him a little bit mentally as well, because drops to kind of to some extent 
our mental lapses, unless of course Josh Allen is gunning a ball full speed right. at you when you're, right. you know, six feet away. But these drops he had, they were, they they weren't the hardest throws either. Like Jamison Crowder had a drop on Sunday, and that's because I thought Josh Allen was going to take his head off with a throw on third yes. down on that slant. Um, yeah. And then the last point, which is something else you hit on, where I go on the negative side through the first month. Devin Singletary aside, and even him to an extent, the, the running game is just atrocious, man. I mean, it is really bad. Yeah. Zach Moss had a 43-yard run. Great, you know, he good had a 43-yard run because he, has, he didn't play in an hour and the rest of everyone else in the field was exhausted. Oh, so that, that's there, why he had a 43-yard run. <laughs> he was the a, freshest guy in the field. Give me a hockey comparison to when the Sabres – you know, or when the Bills, they'll bring out Singletary, they'll bring out Cook, and then every once in a while they'll bring out Zach Moss and he just smashes into the middle of the defense for a one-yard gain. I don't know. That's like going to a hockey game and paying good money and watching a, a game that's 0-0 like halfway through the third period or something. Yeah. Just a waste. That's what the, – it's almost like the Bills are throwing a white flag in on a drive. Whenever you bring in Zach yeah. Moss and you run him up the middle, you're just begging to, to, to punt, which the Bills obviously don't do often. And to me it's like – this guy can't get a yard and short. He's not, I mean, they're not even really giving many opportunities in short yardage. When he has, he's, he's been stuffed. If Zach Moss can't get you these tough yards up the middle, he literally has no use of being on this roster to me. And I'm at a point now where if you're not going to run Zach, Moss, or if he's not going to be effective for you and he can't do what you want him to do, get him out. Don't even have him in the lineup and James Cook, the rookie, which actually, you know what? Let's talk about that separately. Have you seen enough of Zach Moss? I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know that's a kind of a yeah, I plain think question, so. but I just I what do you think, what's he going to do that differently that he that from what you've seen that he he hasn't done already? I mean, I, mean, I they just can maybe talk him up as a I I, I when they drafted him, I, I could see maybe as like a as a short distance back. Yeah, but he can't even him. do that. I liked him coming out. I was pumped. I I was calling him RB one. Yeah, I remember. Here's my I here's my thing. Look. Sure. I've, I can say I've seen enough of Zach Moss and fine. You can do that. Look, if you're, it gets, it gets, it gets difficult at this point because you'd have to open a roster spot. I think Duke Johnson's got some game in him still. Thank you. That's what I was coming with next. You beat me to it. Do you you maybe want to see? Like he played yeah. pretty good for I think it was the Dolphins at the end of last season. I thought he had a pretty good training camp. Yeah. He catches balls out of the backfield. He can run for you. I mean, he again, you have to cut somebody to open a roster spot. Um he's on your yeah, squad, Moss. But, <laughs> but are they going to? I mean, can you trade no. him? I, I would say probably he's got not. no value. Unless the Giants liked him, yeah, obviously the staff and then Brian Dable, if for some reason he liked right, him. Right, maybe, I, yeah, maybe I you can call him and see if they want him as a backer for Barkley, maybe. I mean, of course, who doesn't want to call him Barkley? I, I think that's a fan in media. I, I'd be stunned oh, if no, no, the no, Giants gonna, no, were no, going to no, seriously trade, trade him. No, the Giants no, no, are 3-1 no. right now, you know what I yeah, mean? What no. their fans would do if they traded to Barkley? The Bills are not trading for a running back yet. They're not trading for running back. They're not. And and the Giants, I don't see them trading Saquon Barkley either, especially being 3-1. and Right. But to your point right. about Duke Williams, take your pick, flip a coin. Either you could cut Zach Moss, or here's the other thing. And this is, I think Sean McDermott's done a good job of handling rookies. Like Benford earned the start over the season over Elam. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty, I, I admire that, that he didn't just hand the job to the first round pick. He gave it to a six round guy who earned it. I like that. 
as much as I like Khalil Shakir, we saw some good things from him on Sunday, and I think now we're going to get an opportunity to see more from him going forward. But I had no problem with them going with uh, Jamison Crowder. He's a veteran who's done some good things in this league to begin the season anyway, yeah. who's proven himself. And they've had a shitload of problems at punt returner, and he's a steady hand punt returner. So I get that. But with James Cook, and this is the one thing where I think Sean McDermott is doing a bad job of managing uh, his rookies on this roster. So he, he plays against the Rams. He fumbles. Bye-bye. See you next week, right? That's literally what yeah. happened. Right. He plays a little bit against the Titans. He has a good game against Miami. I think he caught a couple, like five passes or some shit like that against yeah. Miami. And then fast forward last week to, to Baltimore. He drops a pass. He does not see the ball again the rest of the game. He's a rookie, uh, a second-round rookie, so you expect good things from him, but he's still he's a rookie. And uh, do you feel like maybe at this point now, make a mistake, you get benched. I make a mistake, two weeks later, I get benched. It's like, it's got to mess with your confidence as a rookie, man. And it's like, are you playing at that point afraid to make a mistake is what I'm saying. Instead of playing loose and hard and free, you might be tight because you're afraid that you're going to make a mistake. And if you make one mistake, you're going to get benched. I hate that. And if that is going to continue to be the case, I, now you don't cut him, obviously, but may, maybe you make him inactive. You find a way to get Duke Williams on the active roster. You got to keep Moss if you're stuck with him. Maybe the Bills like him more than you and I do. And you have Moss, Singletary, and Duke Johnson, and you just have James Cook inactive. Because if, if he's one mistake away from not playing again for the rest of the game, then I don't even think he should be dressing. Yeah. Yeah. Have a vote of confidence in him. That's what I I'm think saying. they're not. Yeah. By handling it that way, I think they're not allowing him to get enough flow. Um, we kind of saw in tennis against Tennessee. I know the game didn't matter and it was way out of hand. Um, but when he got a lot of carries and he was in the game for a while, he kind of got into a flow a little bit. So I think this Steelers game, especially if you're going to be shorthanded wide receivers, is a game that you can get him into. Um, you know, allow him to get some carries. You know, and don't get me wrong, this this isn't the season to work on developing your second round running back. Uh, but if you're going to do it, October is the time to do it. Uh, see what you have there. You know, get him, you know, maybe the next two weeks, see if you can get him going here against Pittsburgh, and then maybe you can bring him out as a weapon against Kansas City. Uh, and then go into a buy and evaluate. If he doesn't get going in Pittsburgh, then I guess maybe you you can you don't play him against Kansas City really, and then you evaluate in your buy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that this week against the Steelers that they they try to get him going. Um, the weather at this point looks like it's going to be decent, so there's not going to be any rain to deal with. Um, yeah, I, I I would try to get him going, try to get him in a flow. Um, but I'm with you. If I never see Zach Moss again, um, that, that's fine with me. I don't need to see him out there. He does no purpose for no. me. That serves me no purpose. I would absolutely play Singletary the most by far out of any of them at this point. Uh, but I think if you want to mix in some, you know, some difference, I, I think you got to you got to try Cook here. Um, and, and then if not, the guy, like I said, like I, you have Duke Johnson sitting there. I, I think the dude's got some game still, and, and I yeah. wouldn't be afraid to look at it. Let me be clear, too. By no means do I don't want James Cook inactive. No, I just no, no, want no. him out there, and I want the coach to have confidence in him that if he drops yeah. a pass, that it's not the last pass he's going to get that game. I don't mm -hmm. even know. I didn't look at a snap count, but I guarantee he played maybe two snaps the rest of the game after he dropped that pass. Literally didn't play. And, I yeah, Singletary is the best uh, of this group. 
but I'm not even really sold on him, which he's going to be a free agent after this year. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, he, look, he made mistakes in Baltimore. He made benchworthy mistakes. I think it was in a matter of three or four different plays. He dropped the pass and then he lost a fumble, which Baltimore, I believe they scored a touchdown on too. So, I mean, but what are you going to do when you got Zach Moss and he's not, he's doing, giving you nothing. And you got James Cook, who the team doesn't trust as a rookie right now. You got no choice, but to go back to Singletary. Yeah, right. Yep. So I don't know, man. It's been a, it's been an interesting month though. The first month of the season. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this Pittsburgh, there's no reason to not lose. I mean, and there's no excuse I could possibly make to lose to Pittsburgh and, and a guy starting his first game, but uh-huh. they have played the bills tough. Now, of course, TJ Watt not being there is going to be a, a, a big deal as well, but and uh, they got some other key guys in that defense beat up too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a game. The bills should win going away. And I like your point. This, if there's a game to get James cook going, this feels like uh and Shakir too. I would say the, this would be yep. a great week yep, for, for sure. uh for the bills rookies. All right, everybody, give Chad a follow on Twitter at CM Diminisys. Check out Expected Buffalo. I have links for all that stuff in the show notes as well. Thanks, buddy, man. I always appreciate you having on the podcast. And uh, again, everyone, make sure you check out Expected Buffalo. Sorry for butchering the Aaron Judge shit at the beginning of the show. Thank <laughs> God, right. you, Aaron. One of my favorites, Chad D. Diminisys. Thanks, buddy. Always good to have you on, man. Anytime, man. Thanks. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.